Hey, what's going on? My name is Matthew and welcome to the Real Life Podcast. This is a place where we hope that you can be encouraged, that your faith can be built up, and that you can leave feeling more connected to Jesus and His church than when you tuned in. Hey everyone, it's good to see you today. My name is Richie, lead a church in Spokane called Real Life. Church really is a group of people that have been rescued out of our old broken lives by Jesus, put our faith in him, believe wholeheartedly that he is leading us to a new and transformed life that he uh, is directing. And we are so excited to be together like this today. And I'm believing that God's going to speak to you. I believe that he's going to meet you right where you are, whoever you are, whatever is going on in your life. I really believe wholeheartedly God is going to make himself real to you and begin to shape your future with what he has in mind, something that we could only hope for and dream for in each of our lives. And so my hope is that you'd come with an expectant heart in this time, a desire to hear from God, a desire to meet God here, whether you've ever met him before, ever you've ever known him before, that you would come with that hope inside you. I wanna pray for all of us as we get going today because that, that expectancy is not just something that comes natural to all of us. I wanna ask for it. Let's ask for it together. God, right now we ask you to speak. We ask you to move. We ask you to meet us in this time together. I'm thankful, God, for every single person tuning in right now. God, that you would meet them right where they are, that you'd give them a hunger and a desire to hear from you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this year has been um, epic to say the least, wouldn't you say? I mean, it has been overwhelming at times, so crazy, so disruptive, uh, so un unnerving in so many different ways. All the memes that are flying around right now are just uh, insane. Uh, I think if you were to try to keep up with all the jokes, all of it, man, it's overwhelming. But I, I just for a second want to just stop. There's a few that have just really stuck out to us and a team that have been just kind of passing around our staff lately. I love this one. I can't believe it's almost September. You see this? Literally feels like it was just March 16 years ago. I mean, literally, it feels like almost 16 lifetimes, right, that we've, that we've engaged in, in over the last six months. It has been overwhelming. Or if 2020, right, if it was a drink, what it, would it be? Colonoscopy prep? Come on. That, that is exactly the way this year has been. Or a scented candle, right? Like this is the smell of 2020 right here. Our house is burning to the ground. This is us, right? Feeling like we're ready for this new year, so stoked to, to hit it head on, get everything squared away. And then like there is one spot that it could hit us. There it does, right there between the eyes. Man, the thing about all of this life just turning constantly over on us is this craziness like that I feel and I think all of us feel like, man, how are we going to navigate this? How are we going to get through this? And man, constantly new pressure, new uncertainty uh, as we're heading into uh, this school year right now. I know so many of you are trying to figure that out with your kids and how it's all going to work online and all the different pressures. Wave after wave of new things, uncertain things, feels like we could just be a people that are constantly tossed around with no sense of direction or fulfillment. And I really believe that a life without like something anchoring us to our purpose and to our core really is an unfulfilling life. 
a life that none of us wants to live, yet we feel kind of trapped in over and over this year, just responding, just reacting, just surviving. And I believe God wants to lift us out of that place today to a place where we're really led by conviction, conviction that says, no matter what life throws at me, this is who I am. No matter what comes my way, this is where I'm going. No matter what uncertainty continues to overwhelm me, this is what God has called me to. That kind of conviction I believe is possible. And I believe Jesus is leading his disciples in Luke chapter nine to that same kind of depth, that anchored soul, that unshakableness. He knows that they're about to endure crazy things. He knows what's ahead of him and ahead of them. And he's trying to get them ready. And I think that God wants to help get you ready, help us move from this confession of who Jesus is to a conviction that guards our hearts, that sustains our hearts, that gives us an unmovable, unshakable sense about us as we move forward in this life. That's a life that's fulfilling. That's a life that's shaped with purpose and significance and impact. And I think that's a life that we all want. Let's look at Jesus' leadership and teaching in Luke chapter nine. If you've got a Bible, Bible app, I want you to go there with me. This is um, such a pivotal passage in Jesus' life and ministry and teaching. We've been learning from the book of Luke for months now, trying to understand who Jesus is, trying to shape our hearts and our lives around his leadership and his desires. And this becomes such an important passage, not only for these 12 disciples that Jesus is getting ready for ministry and for his departure, but also for those of us that are trying to live this life with conviction. Look at verse 18 with me today, if you would. Now it happened that as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were there with him. If you remember last time we were together, there was a crowd of over 5,000 people. Jesus and his disciples tried to get away, but the crowd found him. Jesus ends up feeding them miraculously through this small lunch. And now here they are alone once again. And Jesus asks his disciples this very important question. Who do the crowds say that I am? Who do people say that I am? I mean, that's a question that you and I could ask today to, to the internet, right? You could ask to everybody that you watch on social media. This is a, a, a question that I think um, is very pertinent today. Who do people say that Jesus is? As a church, we say, well, he's God. He's in control. He's the creator, the sustainer of all things. He's the author, the perfecter of this faith. These are all statements we make as a church, but, but, but there's a personal statement. Like who do people think Jesus is? A good teacher, somebody that's important in history, a prophet. This is how the disciples answered. They, they answered, well, some say you're John the Baptist, this forerunner that went right before Jesus, who was actually beheaded by the government officials trying to shut him down. Um, others say you're Elijah, this big historical prophet that the people, the Jewish tradition revere Elijah. And so people have got this great respect for Jesus if they're referencing Elijah. But others say that you're one of the prophets of old that is risen from the dead is, is how they talk about you. Then Jesus asked them this question. Yeah, but, but who do you say that I am? This is a moment here where the big broad question gets directed at the very center of who these guys are. Who do you say that I am? 
This is a question that I think each of us need to wrestle with. Who do you say Jesus is? Who have you not only known him to be, maybe mentally kind of understood him to be, but also experientially, who do you say that Jesus is? Like, what have you experienced of Jesus? What have you come to encounter of Jesus? More in like a a revelation type sense, who do you say Jesus is? Peter answered, you are the Christ. This is the word for Messiah, Savior. You are the Christ of God. You are the long-awaited Savior that all of God's people have been waiting for hundreds of years to arrive on the scene. All the prophecies that everybody's ever been talking about, you're the one. Like there's this revelatory nature of what Peter is saying in another account of this same passage Matthew's account, Jesus said, man, you are blessed, Peter, because this wasn't given to you by man. You didn't just hear this from somebody else. This was given to you by God. This was a revelation from God in your heart of who I am. And I think that this is an important moment where confession becomes a reality that each of us are are understanding Jesus personally. Some of you young people tuning in, maybe your parents have some sort of faith that they believe in God or they've taken you to church or they've said certain things about God. Maybe you've grown up in a home that has some sort of faith. You've been around faith traditions or you've seen different religions and explored them. But personally, who do you say that Jesus is? This is a moment where, where confession moves to this place of personal revelation. Confession is something that has to be deeply impactful and deeply personal for you. Personal revelation is so important in this conversation for you to know, oh, this is who I say personally Jesus is. An encounter with God, a moment with God where he's revealed himself to you personally. This is where conviction starts to get birthed is in this place of confession, knowing who Jesus is. I think about late in the the gospel account of Luke here where people are... um, reeling from the death and the burial of Jesus. They've all thought, maybe he's this prophet, maybe he's the savior. And now he's been killed, crucified on a tree. And a couple of guys are walking to a distant uh, city called Emmaus. And Jesus actually shows up on the road with them. They don't know it's Jesus. Their eyes are kind of darkened to that understanding, but he begins to explain through the scriptures of who God's son is and how he would save mankind and how his death was necessary. And, and later on, he opens their eyes and they go, wow, it's Jesus. And, and they reflect on that moment and they go, didn't our hearts burn when he was with us? Didn't our hearts just like come to this place of realization, like something supernatural, something special is happening in this moment. Like that's a revelation from God that, that you would know, now know for certain who Jesus is in your heart. For many of us, this place of our hearts being just kind of encountered by the power of God, the love of God, washed over by this sense of acceptance, of of approval, maybe something that you've longed for from humans for your entire existence. Here, the love of God is just coming to you and helping you to understand that he loves you. He knows you. He he has so much in, in store for you. This personal revelation is the groundwork for which from which conviction starts to to be birthed in. But without this confession, there is no conviction. Without you coming to a personal understanding of who Jesus is, who he is to you, who do you say that Jesus is, there will be no conviction in your life. There will be no certainty about your future. There will be no steadfastness about your walk and about your gait. 
I really believe that this confession is the place that we all have to begin. That's why Jesus asked his disciples, well, who do you say that I am? He then strictly charges his disciples. This is verse 21. I'm picking back up in the story. And he commands them, don't tell anybody this. It's almost as if people got to experience this for themselves. And I'm not quite yet ready to reveal my full nature to everybody. You guys are on the inside. You're starting to understand who I am, but there's more to go. The son of man, he's speaking of himself. I must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the big religious guys of the Jewish people, these scribes, and I got to be killed. And then on the third day, I got to raise from the dead. All of this still has to happen. Then there's going to be a time to proclaim who I am and that this confession, Peter, that you are experiencing right now is going to be so much more real and relevant. And as, as the church has moved through periods of history and lost its vigor and strength and regained it, it's always been regained by these personal encounters with God himself. When I think about right now in a time when so many things have been taken from us, even church being taken from us, gatherings together is not a reality for so many of us in so many different parts of the world. Man, as all these things continue to get stripped from us, this personal revelation of who Jesus is to you in your life is so essential for whatever the future of what God is going to do in your life, through you, in his church. Jesus says, I don't want you to tell anybody. And then verse 23, he pivots to this place of conviction. Watch this. He says to everyone all around there, if anyone is going to come after me, Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. If you're going to be one of my guys, if you're going to come with me, you have got to learn this principle, this discipline, deny yourself, take up your cross. A cross is this implement literally of death and torture the things that you have been married to in this world that you've given your life for in this world, you've got to put them to death if you are going to come after me. Verse 24, whoever would save his life in this world will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his very soul. Jesus is making a connection here that you and I are eternal beings, that we're not just physical beings, that we are going to exist forever eternally. Our souls will depart from these bodies one day. As these bodies decay here on this planet, we will live on eternally forever. This is something that we believe with our whole hearts, that we are eternal beings. These souls will live forever. And he's referencing eternity. Are you going to live forever in peace or in destruction? Are you going to, are you going to live for the here and now and forfeit the eternal promise I have of a life of fulfillment and joy and satisfaction, a life of, of eternally knowing that I love you and that you can have relationship with me? He's referencing the disconnect between living for here and now and living for the next life. And he's saying, Hey, my people, my followers are people that live for the the next life, not just for this life. My people are people who don't give up everything for the next in the next life to live for this temporary life. My people actually give up temporary comforts 
so that we can have an eternal promise of life and fulfillment and satisfaction, eternally being with God in relationship with him, not eternally in punishment in a real place called hell. And this is a massive conversation that Jesus is going, hey, what is it, what is it profit a person if he, if he gives up eternity and, and forfeits the soul of his by trying to work for things that really aren't going to last in this life? What does it profit us if we work to the bone to try to find fulfillment in this life and hang on to all these crazy whims and waves of culture washing over us while we're forfeiting the life to come? There's this invitation to have a conviction in our hearts that supersedes all the circumstances that we are experiencing right now. See, the antidote for, for all of our disruption and all of our insecurity, so many of us are battling, I know, mental health right now, like depression and, and, and thoughts of suicide and frustrations about our government and insecurities about jobs and finances and, and, and all the politics that are continuing to pressure us. Like all of these mental health challenges are not solved by the challenges going away. See, that's the, that's the lie that the enemy wants you to buy into, the enemy of your soul. He's trying to deceive you and think, get you to think that, man, your mental health and stability and strength will get better when circumstances get better. No, no, no. The way to solve all of that pressure and uncertainty and fear and anxiety and darkness is to have a purpose and a conviction that supersedes all of that. Jesus is going, hey, if you want to follow me, here's what it takes. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and come after me. Don't sell your soul to this world and forfeit the next. Don't, don't give up the next life by, by living only for this life. Would you, would you build in your heart a conviction to continue to live for the next life? Would you build in your heart a, a desire to look beyond all these circumstances and all these pressures and, and begin to, to understand that I have something so much greater than what you can see right now? See, the offer from Jesus is so easy for it to sound hard and for it to sound difficult, but he's saying, no, 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 the eternal reward far outweighs this earthly pleasure that you're so kind of enamored with. And this is the difficulty for us, for I know for myself, this has been one of the hardest years, the most discouraging year I've ever experienced in my life. I think many of us would say that. It does feel like those outhouses burning right now. That is how it smells. That is what our lives are like. And, and that discouragement can just beat us into the ground. And Jesus is going, wait, 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 wait. There's something in the next life that I have prepared for you. A life of joy and fulfillment and satisfaction, reward. It's going to come through suffering, through self-denial. It's going to come through a conviction that this life is not all there is. And somehow we have to turn that corner in our hearts and our minds to, to get past all of this disruption and discomfort that seems to continually discourage us right now. There has to become in us an inner strength that says, I will not give up on this life that God has invited me into. I will not quit. I will not walk away. I will not be allowed to fall into this place of just kind of crazy discouragement. God, you have something in mind for me eternally. 
that this life doesn't even compare to. And that's where conviction starts to supersede all of these circumstances. There's a conviction to say, I'm going to continue no matter what. I believe that God wants to put that in your heart. It starts with this confession, this revelation of who Jesus is to you. And then we move to this conviction that says, all right, if this Jesus really is the savior of the world, he's revealed himself to me as God's son, not in a place of judgment and criticism and, and condemnation, but in a place of love and acceptance that he sees each of you right where you are and is saying, I love you. I have purpose for you. That is so much greater than this world will offer. Man, when you and I encounter the love of God that way, the acceptance of God that way, we're forever changed. And then he wants to move us from that confession to conviction that says, okay, because God loves me so much, this life is not all there is. The comforts of this world are not all there is. God, you have something so much greater in mind for me. God, would you give me the courage to live with conviction in this world, through this life, through the pressures that we're experiencing? God, would you give me the power to believe that you really do have something in mind in all of eternity that I can't see, that I can't understand, but I'm trusting you with eternity in mind. I'm trusting you that you're going to help me live this life for the next life, that this life is not all there is. See, the enemy of, of conviction is not persecution and hardship. Honestly, the enemy of conviction is comfort. And many of us have been so enamored with our comforts that all of this disruption has shaken us to the core. And I really believe that God wants to give us an unshakable sense, a conviction that keeps us stable through uncertain times, through difficulties, through pressures, through suffering. But the more we're kind of enamored with our comfort, the more shakable we are because comforts are going to come and go. Comforts are going to be always changing and always shifting. This is where Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his very soul? There's a pastor in the Midwest that said it so well. He said, many of us have chosen heaven over hell, but not many of us have chosen heaven over earth. I want you to just hear that again. Many of us have chosen heaven over hell. Yeah, God, save me from my sin. Yeah, God, I want to spend eternity with you. I don't want to go to hell and spend eternity in eternal torment and, and destruction. No, God, save my soul. But he says, many of us have not chosen heaven over earth. We believe that this life, the comfort we gain here is the most satisfying life. And Jesus is going, no, I've got a life of satisfaction that you can't even comprehend or measure by, by this world's standards. Don't forfeit your soul and sell out for worldly comforts and, and, and dreams of just this life being better. See, these are the people that are shaken in times of disruption. 
people that live for this life and all there is of this life and the comfort of this world, these are the people that are insecure and fearful and overwhelmed right now. The people that have a conviction for the life to come are the people that are steadfast and steady and certain about who God is, who he's revealed himself to us as, the love that he has for us, the the acceptance that he has for every one of you. Man, that's an unshakable thing because God does not change. His love does does not change. Nothing can change the love of God, separate you from the love of God. Nothing can take the acceptance of God away from you. No circumstance, no government, no pressure can take the love of God away from you. That's where conviction is born in our hearts to go, okay, then what you say, God, goes. Your nature, your character, your essence, God, that's what I'm living for, an eternal relationship with you, God, an eternal reward of experiencing your love forever, God, that's what I'm living for not temporary satisfaction. God, make us a people who are steadfast, who are strong, who are impactful. Man, a people with conviction are a people of impact. That's what I believe God wants us to be, a people that are unshaken when everything and everyone is shaken right now to be a steady force in this culture is who God is calling you and I to be, to be a people with faith, with certainty, with a desire for the next life, for lives to be changed. See, we're on a mission together. We're not just surviving a pandemic. We We are on a mission to see this world changed by the love of God, that every soul would experience a personal confession of who Jesus is, a revelation of his power and his love. That's why we're here. That's why we pray for friends and neighbors. That's why we share these links. That's why we invite people over. That's why we are who we are, because God has saved us, rescued us, and has called us to live for this next life. These are the people that that have impact, people that live with conviction. And I believe that you want that. And I believe that that's who God is making each of us to be. Start with confession, move to conviction. Start with a revelation of who Jesus is. And don't think, oh, I had that one time. No, think today. Think again and again and again. God, reveal yourself to me today. Make your love known. Make your grace known. Here's what I love is confession, this revelation of who Jesus is. It's not like a long ways off. It starts with the hunger in your heart just to go, God, I want to know you. He says, if you will seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. And a neighbor of mine, we baptized him just a, a year or so ago and went through some struggles right after he got baptized. God set him free miraculously. And it was so cool. I got a text from him last week just saying, Richie, God is revealing himself to me in such powerful ways. And he, know, he said, I know now why, because I'm seeking him. Like to experience God is not a long way off. It just requires a hungry heart that says, I want to know you, God. And then God move my heart to a place of conviction that says, God, no matter what life throws at me, I know that my eternity is with you. I'm going to stay steadfast in this life. Believe that God is setting this in each of our hearts. I want to pray for you right now. I know some of you are coming to a place where you just, you need to experience Jesus right now for the first time. Repent and be baptized is what the Bible says. If you want to experience salvation, life, fulfillment in Jesus, that's where it begins. Repent of trying to find your satisfaction in this world and in any other thing other than God, and then be baptized. That's a a step of obedience that Jesus modeled calls us to. Every one of us have taken that step. I want to invite you to take that step as well. 
Let me pray for every one of us right now. Jesus, you see every, every heart that's tuned in right now. God, I pray that you would meet every single one of us right where we are. God, those that are coming to you for the first time in desperate need of you to reveal yourself to them. God, make your presence known right now. Speak, pour out your love, pour out your forgiveness, pour out your acceptance. God, on the hearts that feel like you're so far away, God, would you reveal yourself again? Put a hunger in our hearts to seek you with our whole heart. God, put a desire in us to know you more, to hear your voice, to experience your nearness. God, that we would know who we say you are, Jesus. Father, I, I pray that you would create an unshakable people by putting a depth of conviction on our hearts that says, no, I'm not living for this world. I'm living for the next. God, you have a purpose beyond anything this life would offer. And God, I'm living for that purpose, not for my own not for anything this world would offer God. Jesus put this conviction in our hearts. I wanna lead you for a few minutes through a time of confession and conviction. We call it communion as Jesus church. It's a moment that we confess that Jesus is who he says he is. We put our faith in him and we actually take bread and we take a cup that are symbols of Jesus' body and blood. And these become a, a physical reminder of his sacrifice for our sins. These become a representation and a moment for us to not just kind of know about Jesus, but to personally encounter Jesus. So I want to give you a moment for God to reveal himself to you personally right now. So wherever you're at, if you're in a a house with a bunch of people tuning in, you're by yourself, make sure you have a cracker and a juice, bread and a cup, whatever that looks like for you. I want you to grab that so that we could take this together. For just a moment, I want you to reflect on the love of God, that Jesus loves you, sacrificed himself for you and gave his life for yours. He literally took death on a cross so that your and my sin could be forgiven. Just to reflect on that for a moment. Gratitude floods my heart. Thank you, God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for your grace, for your love, for your willingness to die, for your willingness to take my sin and my shame and my guilt, God. I'm so undeserving, yet you chose to. Now for a moment, would you just reflect on who, who doesn't know Jesus yet? Who doesn't know this love? Would you maybe pray for them? Just say a prayer. God, I, I just lift up this friend, this neighbor, this family member, just lift them up by name right now. God, would you save them? Would you make your presence known to each of them? On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to each of his disciples. And he said to them, this is my body that was given for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. I want you to eat and remember Jesus together today. In the same way, after dinner, he took the cup. He says, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this, remember me. Let's drink and remember Jesus together right now. Jesus. God, our hearts are just softened today. 
We seek you. We desire you. We long to be changed by you, God. Put a conviction in our hearts that makes us a people, God, that you can use, a people that are impactful, a people, God, that are set on the next life, that are living for eternity, God. We give you our hearts today. Thank you, God, in your name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure to stay in touch and visit the description for our contact info. We would love to be praying for you. As always, we hope this podcast encouraged you and pointed you closer to Jesus. Take care.